If you've ever caught yourself mindlessly playing through your scales in the beginning of your practice, because it's something that you know that you're supposed to do, but you don't find it very enjoyable, then you're really missing out on something. Scales are actually one of our most important and effective practice tools that we have in our arsenal as violinists. And in this episode, I'm going to give you some fresh and creative ideas for how to practice them, as well as give you context as to why they're important. If you try some of these out, I guarantee that you're going to find practicing your scales to be a lot more interesting and, dare I say, fun. But before we get into that, hello and welcome to violin class. My name is Julia. I'm a violinist and a violin teacher, and I'm coming at you with a bonus episode this week all about practicing scales. This is in honor of my upcoming live workshop, a first here at violin class, and I'm really excited to tell you more about it later in this episode and have the opportunity to meet some of you. If you want to learn more, you can go to violinclass.co slash events. But first, let's talk a little bit more about scales. If you've been playing any music on any instrument for any length of time, you know that scales are something that you're supposed to be practicing. I think it's something that all music teachers agree on. And don't get me wrong, they are very important. But I think we actually need to talk a little bit more about why that is and how we can make them more fun. Because I think that scales get a bad rap for being really monotonous, kind of like eating green vegetables. It's just something that you need to do in order to become a good violin player. But if we're not playing our scales intentionally, if we're not rotating through them and practicing them in new and different, fresh, interesting ways, I think that we're missing a lot of the benefits that we get from scales. And we're also going to get bored in the process. And getting bored with a hobby is never a good idea. It's not going to help you to get where you want to go. And it kind of defeats the purpose. So you don't have to be toughing out your scales. There are a lot of ways that we can make them more interesting with just a little bit of creativity and background information. But first, let's get into some of the reasons why scales are worth your time and why you should spend a little bit of practice time on them each session. First of all, let's start with the basics. What is a scale? A scale is just a building block for almost any piece of music that we play. It's a pattern of consecutive notes that are organized in different structures and combinations of half steps and whole steps going up and down, and we'll find them present in almost any repertoire that we play as violinists. There are a lot of different types of scales. You may have heard of major and minor scales in Western classical music. We actually have a lot more than that. We have chromatic scales, whole tone, all the modal scales. And as soon as you leave the classical tradition, we have our jazz scales and we have scales of all different cultures and traditions that have a different sound. But we're just going to focus on the major and minor scales for our purposes today. So as I mentioned, scales are the building block of almost all music that we play. So I think let's pull out some examples from the classical repertoire to take a look at this in context. When I think of scales in a piece of music, the first thing that comes to mind for me as a violinist is the Beethoven Violin Concerto. I'm going to play you a passage from the Beethoven Violin Concerto. Let's listen to that and then we'll talk about it. So 
this concerto in the violin world is famous for being full of scales. They just go up and down, up and down pretty much for the entire thing. If you have a good foundation in scales, if that's something that you practiced for years and years before getting to this concerto, uh, I won't say it's an easy one to learn. It's one of the harder ones, but you'll have the technical foundation for it to be quite straightforward when you're learning it. But if you don't have that foundation, you are going to struggle every step of the way because it's they're just scales that are just written in a way that's very beautiful and nice to listen to. They go by very fast in this piece in particular. And I think when we're thinking of scales and practicing scales, we tend to think of it as a tool to playing faster and building our technique that way. And that's certainly something that we do, but it goes a lot further than that. And I think this next example is a little bit more subtle. So now let's listen to a clip from the Brook Violin Concerto. I'll play you that now. So if you listen closely, this concerto, although this part is much more lyrical and slow, it's still just a scale. The composer has just added some trills to every note. We have a beautiful accompaniment with the orchestra in the background. But again, a scale is just a consecutive pattern of notes. And that's all that the violinist here is playing, just embellished in different and interesting ways. So I think looking at those two examples, we already have a good idea of how scales are going to fit into our repertoire as violinists. So I know that most of you listening today are not professional violinists. And don't worry, I'm going to be giving you some practical advice too that you can actually try right away. But I think it's important to kind of look all the way down the line where we're headed with scales again, just to give you that context and motivation to practice them. So now that we've looked at those case studies, if you will, let's look at some of the reasons that we actually should practice scales other than just playing fast and being able to pull them out in our pieces. I think the most useful thing that it brings us is an opportunity to be reinforcing our techniques with every practice session. And let me give you an example. So say that you're a beginner violinist and you've just started learning slurs, so connecting two notes or more in a bow. Practicing your scales with slurs is going to be a great way of reinforcing that technique and observing it, if you will, in all different situations, in different keys, again, going up and down the violin so that when you need it in a piece, you've already looked at those patterns with the slurs. So with my example of slurs, let's take a look at different ways that we can start working on that because the world is really your oyster once you start thinking this way. So I'm going to take, let's say, an E flat one octave major scale just for our purposes today, which I'll play for you now. When I start adding slurs, there are so many different combinations that I can then use, again, to help me in reinforcing this technique and becoming more comfortable playing slurs. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is I would probably start playing slurs of two, so two notes per bow up and down the, sc the scale. I will say I think this is more effective when you've got 
two octaves or more, even three octaves, even better because you just have more time and space to be playing all the notes. But again, just to go quickly in this example, I'm going to be sticking with a one octave scale. So let's hear that one octave scale with slurs of two. Now that we've done slurs of two, we can start breaking things up. Let's try slurs of three. That's going to sound something like this. And then you kind of see where I'm going here. We can go to slurs of four, slurs of five, slurs of six, slurs of seven, slurs of eight. Uh, of course, those odd numbers like slurs of five and seven, I think, are not something that we do very often as violinists in the classical tradition. It's a little bit more challenging and it's not something we come across typically, which is exactly why I like to practice it that way. So I think those examples are pretty simple and it's something that you may have done already, but then we can kind of kick it up a level and start to add another technique in there. So why don't we now listen to what slurs are going to sound like if we're alternating with separate bows. So again, to my first example, we did slurs of two notes. Next, what we can do is alternate two notes under a slur with two separate bows. So let's take a look at what that would sound like. So again, I'm connecting two notes in one slur and then I'm playing two and then the next two are just a separate up and down bow. From there, I can do the same thing. I can do slurs of three, separate three. Slurs of four, separate four. Slurs of five, separate five. Again, those bigger numbers are going to work better when you have more notes under your belt. So a two octave, three octave scale. I think that's going to be even more effective. But you can already get started on this from your very first scale, which from the way I teach is generally a D major scale or an A major scale. And this is just with slurs and separate bows. I could talk all day about different ways that you can practice this. You can alternate different lengths of slurs. You can add in other techniques with different articulations. And I'll be going into great detail at this workshop that I'm teaching at the end of April. Or if you're listening to this later on, you can actually still take the workshop asynchronously. You can head over to my website at violinclass.co or find the link in the description. So we've talked about reinforcing our technique. Another way that we can practice scales is to create these challenges to push our technique to the limits. Whenever we're trying to break down a piece of music to learn, we want to make the music harder in order to make it easier. I'll say that again. You want to make the music harder in order to make it easier. And all that means is we like to create these little puzzles for ourselves when we're practicing violin or honestly any instrument. And we're going to see how can I make this puzzle a little bit more difficult so that when I get back to playing it just as it's written, it's going to feel easy under my fingers. So I'll give you a really simple example. Let's say you have to learn a measure at 60 beats per minute of 16th notes. So it's something that's relatively fast, especially if you're a beginner. If I wanted to be really confident in playing that, I would actually try to push myself to learn it to play faster. So let's say maybe around 72 beats per minute. If I can consistently play it at 72 beats per minute, going back to 60 beats per minute is going to be a breeze. And it's something that we can practice on our scales as well. And not just for tempo. I think tempo is just a really easy, concrete example. So let's 
So going back to my slurs example with what we were talking about earlier for the slurs, let's say you're trying to also get more comfortable playing with different parts of the bow. I would take that same pattern, that exercise that we worked on playing slurs of two, and then I try to play it in different parts of the bow. It's going to most likely be the most comfortable in the middle of your bow. So why don't you try it then at the frog? And the goal with this is to get your slurs at the frog where the weight is heavier and it's easier to crack in the sound to sound just as good as what you're doing when you're playing in the middle of the bow. This is a great way of, again, making the music harder so that you can actually make it easier. And I think that starts with scales. The more you can get used to doing this and practicing in this way, the better you're going to get when you actually go to practice your pieces. There are, again, so many ways that I'm not even covering today of why we should practice scales. But here's another one. And I think this is the one that's talked about the least because until now, we've really been talking technical foundations and how to improve your technique. But I think that scales are a really important opportunity to be practicing and playing more musically as violinists. And this is the entire topic of my workshop that I'm hosting again, end of April, uh, link in the show notes if you want to know more about that. Everything that we practice as musicians is going to be reinforced and that includes our technical practice. So if we're playing our scales really boring and plain and vanilla, the music that we're playing is going to end up sounding boring, plain, and vanilla as well. You get what I'm saying here? Whatever time you spend practicing on those scales, if you're doing them very flat, your music's going to be flat too, because that's what you're reinforcing every time you come to the instrument. So from the get-go, in our technical practice, you want to reframe this as an opportunity to be always practicing how to be an expressive and musical player. So if you're working on dynamics in your piece, work on dynamics in your scales. If you're working on vibrato in your pieces, work on vibrato in your scales. The two are not separate, even though we tend to practice them separately. And I think they're a really fantastic way of reinforcing all of those skills, which again, I'm going to go into so much detail at this workshop. But let me leave you with something practical that you can try on your own at your very next practice session. I want you to think of three different moods or emotions, okay? And I don't want them to be happy or sad. I think that's too simple, but we're going to take those examples together just because I think they're the easiest to follow. I want you to write those down and then brainstorm a few different ways that you could use the violin specifically to bring out those emotions. So let's start with the happy example. I'm going to just off the top of my head, think maybe a more lively tempo. So something a bit faster, maybe a little bit louder, mezzo forte or forte, and a pretty energetic in the string sound. And then I'm going to try to play my scale for it to sound happy. Let me give that a try and you'll see what I mean. Let's contrast this with now feeling sad. So when I'm feeling sad, maybe I'll pick something that's a little bit slower, maybe a bit softer as well. So polar opposite from the happy example. And I'm going to try to find a quality of sound that's a bit more connected and soft. But I'm going to stick with the G major scale uh, just to show you that just because it's a major scale doesn't mean it can't sound sad. There are a lot of examples in music where we have a major scale that can be made to sound sad based on the way that we play them. I'll play that for you now.
want you to try this next time you come to your violin. Think of three different emotions and see if you can make the same scale sound three different ways just by changing some of those technical parameters and giving yourself an opportunity to express yourself just through those consecutive patterns of notes. And you'll find the more you do this, the more it's going to come naturally to you. And when you go to practice your pieces, all of that work that you've done on something a little bit more simple, like a scale, is going to come across and you're going to start to be a more expressive player more naturally without having to really think about it. Furthermore, that's also going to give you a process when you're breaking down a line that you're working on or a piece of music, you can use the same exercise. What are the parameters that we can use as violinists to express this particular emotion? Because at the end of the day, we're playing music, right? We want to be able to express something and feel something when we're playing. And again, that's going to start with scales. So I hope that I've convinced you that scales are important and I've given you a few ideas to try when you're practicing them whether you're focusing solely on the technical abilities and pushing yourself to be able to play more fluidly and smoothly by making music harder in order to make it easier, or you're using scales as a tool of musical expression, which is another thing that you should be doing every time that you go to practice scales, then you're going to have a really effective way of not only warming up, but practicing your technique. That's it for this week. If you learned something in this episode, if you found it interesting, I would really appreciate if you could take a second to rate or review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more tips or violin practicing advice for adult learners, you can sign up for my newsletter at violinclass.co slash newsletter. If you want more tips for how to actually structure your scales into your overall technique practice, you can download my ebook all about warming up for beginner adult violinists, which you can get on my website at violinclass.co slash warmups. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back next week with another episode of Violin Class Podcast. Happy practicing and I'll catch you at the next one.